0: My, um, my, my metaphor for ministry would probably be like trying to stand up in a hammock. This, honestly, trying to find your equilibrium and your balance has always been a a bit of an art. Feels like, you know, there's something alive and moving, which there is, because, um, I just have so many things in my mind right now about what I'd like to share about, um, I think that the, the big thing for us today is everything that you ever need has already been provided for you. And even during the... I don't, you, you know, church starts here at 9.30. Did you know that? <laughs> I got here at 9.25. I didn't want to miss that because it started at 9.30. And Olivia gave such a great sermon this morning. <laughs> I've already been deeply encouraged. That was a great time of prayer together and then Bill's message during the offering. Really, really encouraging. But, you know, they were, I can't remember the exact word. It was about, but something about freedom, you know. And, um, you, you know, like, you, like, like freedom has already been purchased for you. You don't need to pray for freedom. You need to walk in freedom. It's, already, it's like the same with healing. You really don't specifically need to pray for healing. You need to walk in the healing that you have. And so what Bill said was right, even though he got it backwards the one time, about what you put in and you get back more than, or else something happens. But the the truth is, like the Word of God doesn't work unless you work the Word of God. But it works if you work, but it won't if you don't. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. So I'm going to share the Word with you this morning, a few thoughts from the Word. Some of them are specific, some will be spontaneous, but... The fact is that God can speak to you if your heart's open to be spoken to. And so um, I just want to, on behalf of Kelly, I wanna, she just about wanted to come up here, but not really, but sort of, but she, on behalf of her, Pastor Phil and Chris and the whole movement, want to bring greetings to the mighty C3 North Calgary. So congratulations for being so faithful and helping serve the kingdom of God as you do. So uh, Kelly and I have three kids, um, four grandkids. And um, we live just on the west side of town. We came here in 1995. Um, I, this will be my 30th. Uh, last year will be my 30th year in full-time ministry. And uh, I honestly just feel like that every year is another, like I just feel like I'm starting again. Because there's so much to learn and grow. And um, Kel has uh, been um, my, she's my only wife. I was going to say my first wife. but She's my only <laughs> wife <laughs> for, not, for 36 years. And uh, we're just really enjoying these years with, with no kids in the house. It's a lot of fun, <laughs> and um, she loves fitness. I love her. I'm not really that... Uh, I, I probably... Does anybody remember those videos of buns of steel? You remember those? I would like buns of steel, but I prefer buns of cinnamon, so <laughs> I'm conflicted. Those of you who train are familiar with resistance training. I, I, that's what I do. I completely resist training. That's what I do. I have a favorite move. It's right between a lunge and a crunch. It's called lunch. And um, that's, what I, that's my fitness program. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 16. I want to talk about investing in the church. Uh, most of you will know this p- portion by heart, and uh, as I mostly do. But, but <clears throat> I found that the Word of God is alive, and it continues to speak if I will have ears to listen I'm going to pray for that today. I'm going to pray for that right now. Father, give us ears to hear what you're saying to your church. Um, you said those who have ears should listen. Let, let him who has ears hear. So we declare ears open today in the name of Jesus. Many times when we look through the Word, we, um, we, get, we, get, we have to um, you know come, come at it with fresh eyes and fresh heart because much of Scripture... Uh, requires more than just the reading of Scripture, requires us to interact with the author. And, um, and it's, there's lots of idioms and metaphors and comparisons, and there's lots of stuff that makes it sometimes a little bit... Um, it, it, we need to sit with it and let it wake up to us. And um, when I read through this passage, I'm, uh, I love to read it again And again, because it's so full of life. And verse 13 specifically starts, And Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? So he gives the answer in the question. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And they said, Who do you say that I am? He's speaking to them all generally, but they needed to answer it specifically. You need to answer, Who do you say Jesus is? That's a big question. Not who do I say he is. Who do you say he is? This is a matter of life and death. This is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. The fourth biggest decision is what church you're going to be part of. But the most significant question is where you're going to spend eternity. So he said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter pipes up. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God, and Jesus said, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father, I love the son and father motif here, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Uh, Did you know you can't get that understanding from human beings? I I can't teach you who the son of God is. I can't teach you. I can talk about him, but it needs to be revealed to you. If you don't get it revealed to you, you actually, you might blame it, your teacher being an issue but I can't teach you. There's a bunch of scholars in California decided they're going to read through the, the Gospels and decide who Jesus was, and, it turned, and they went through that, did the study, and found out, ah, he's not really who he says he was. You, can, you, can, you know, you can study the Scriptures and miss Jesus. <laughs> if your heart's not open, you can actually miss, you can miss the, 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 the life-changing truths that are available to us. Let me get to that, Lord. Thank you for your patience with me. I'm getting someplace. I say to you then, you're Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church and all the powers of hell won't conquer it. And I'll give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. Whatever you unlock, they're open on earth, will be open in heaven. And then he sternly warned them not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah because telling them wasn't going to help them. They need to get that directly from the Father. Does anybody here uh, adhere to like the hollow earth theories? Are there many hollow earth people? Or... No? Okay. Well, I'll leave this, this point alone then. <laughs> I, I think that um, one of the things we forget about church, and I, it's already been mentioned today, is, is uh, reason we invest in church because church is a family. And, and first of all, um, I know we'd like to think it's an army. Some of you have that warrior spirit in you, but we're not first an army. We're first a family. We're told to pray. We're not to pray our commander-in-chief, we're supposed to pray our father, and, and we're supposed to pray that unified. This church is a family. The church at large is a family. C3 is a family. That's who it is, first, first and foremost. And while it's as good as that may be, here's the problem, is that no, no family is perfect. But we don't give up on family, do we? Because you still got that desire to be, belong to part of a family, and to have a mom and a dad and that all to work. And here's, here's the, the, the second problem with that is that each problem that you had within your own nuclear family, you'll bring to this family. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> so then what, how do, why should I invest then in, in, in church? And, well, because like he said, we only get out of something what we put into it. You want a healthy family? Well, you need to be a healthy part of that family. if everybody in the church served like I did, would this church be able to function? You need to ask yourself that question. If you're part of the church, you're part of of its solution. If everybody in in this family gave the way I do, would the church be able to function? Because the reason, or the, the first sign of maturity is when we move from being a consumer to being a contributor. Have you noticed that in your own family? There was a time when it was fine to change your kids' diapers. That's fine, right? That was okay. It was fine that they didn't have to clean up after themselves, because they couldn't. It, that, that's fine. But then there came a point where they needed to grow up. Am I right? Yeah, same in the church. There's a point where you need to grow up. There's a family. And one of his specific designs is to help you grow. But in order for you to grow, you have to be planted. Did you know that? I'll move faster if you know not. <laughs> uh, I was reading yesterday about the um, parable of the soils, Matthew chapter 12, I think. It's also Matthew, Mark 4. And there's one of them, one of those types of soils couldn't grow. It's the one that didn't have any roots. It wasn't planted. If you're not planted, you won't produce fruit. Did you know that? Maybe I'm telling you something you already know. Probably am. But one of, the, one, of the, one of the things about fruit, which we're all meant to be fruitful, and we're all meant, according to John 15, to be connected to a vine, and it's the Father's great pleasure that we would bear fruit. We'd be fruit bearers. Not fruit critics or fruit pinchers. Fruit bearers. And the greatest joy, there's four types of fruit in John chapter 15, but but the greatest is that that fruit could remain. Do you know that fruit is not the beginning of the growth cycle? It's at the end. And so at the end of the growth cycle, that's when fruit is produced. So you're in a growth cycle right here because the church is designed to help you to grow. Isn't that wonderful? If you want to grow, that's wonderful. That's really good news. If you don't want to grow, it's not good news. Because what will happen is you'll be confronted and things will challenge you here. Specifically people. Have you noticed? Like they're, you know, messy. I don't tell people our church is safe because it's full of people. People aren't safe. They're dangerous. Have you been around? You know what I mean. And specifically people who are close to you. Is is anybody, have you found that out within your family? Some of your family are dangerous? How was your Christmas dinner? Did everybody get along? (laughs) I'm not telling you something you don't know. So here's what will happen is you'll get, the growth cycle will get interrupted in your life because you have an enemy that wants to not allow you to produce fruit. So that's why we're to remain in the vine. Said you got to abide. And then you'll produce fruit. Do you know, so I come from a farming background, the fruit is produced. I'm not fr- Not a fruit background, but a harvest, like wheat, oats, barley, flax. <laughs> I had a little stint growing marijuana too, by the way, before it was legal, before I was saved. Uh, qualify that. But, but here's what happens in, the, in a growth cycle, it actually has to go through all of the seasons in order to produce fruit. Have you, you plant carrots in the wintertime, you're gonna have crop failure, am I right? I'm talking really, really common sense for everybody, because in a minute I'm going to get complicated, but right now we'll keep it simple. So what happens is that in the growth cycle, everybody's excited about spring, summer, uh, but you do a little weeding and a little pruning, and harvest exciting, Winter's not so much fun. In order for you to produce fruit, you have to go through all of the seasons. So I don't trust somebody that hasn't been through all the seasons, because they keep repeating spring and summer, spring and summer, spring and summer. Psalm chapter one says, if you're planted by a river of water, you'll bear fruit in every season. I don't know what season you're in right now, but I know you, that, that, that your, your harvest has to be contended for and you have to cooperate with the seasons. Church is, meant, is designed to help you to grow. It's a family and it's, and it's meant to help you to grow. I uh, about, about, um, about 20 years ago, we had moved from a community center in Patterson Heights to a, a house that we renovated, a 6,000-square-foot house and we renovated, and we had about 140 people meeting in the community center, and when we arrived at, the, um, at our new facility, uh, Deeply In Debt, um, there was 43 of us there, uh, right? Uh, I don't know if you call that pruning. <laughs> so I sure felt like it. But uh, I went on a little tirade um, between me and the Lord, and I was telling him about the, you know, the issues, and uh, which was no surprise to him. And I said, "But I thought you said you were going to build your church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Seems like they're prevailing." He said, "That's because that's not the church I built. it's The church you built." That, that, that stung. But since then, I've been I've been actually concerned about the way that we build. This goes for a life. This goes for a family. This goes for a marriage. This goes for business. There's a, there's a way that you can build your family and your marriage and your build business that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. But there's also a way that the gates of hell will prevail, and that's if you build it yourself rather than build it on a revelation of Jesus. What I'm just saying is a real mouthful right there. This has taken me years to sort out, and I've been kind of careful how I build. Matthew chapter 7 says, you want to be careful you don't build on gifts. Have you read that? It says you can tell a true tree by the type of fruit it has. It, and, 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 and then he says you, you shouldn't build on miracles or on a deliverance ministry. Have you read that part? Because they came before the Lord, and he says, I didn't authorize that stuff. That, that wasn't part of my, you, you built that yourself. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Y'all got them. Gifts are given. But fruit is grown. It's developed through seasons of time. And here's what'll happen is you'll get in, involved in the church here. You roll up your sleeves and says, I think I want to serve. And all of a sudden, someone will offend you. And you'll go, oh, those people. Why? You learned that in your family of origin probably. That's how you dealt with problems. Well, we, here in the house of God, we need to teach you a little different way of relating. <laughs> I'm envious of this church body. <laughs> um, so I've been really careful about how I build. And he says, he says that if you, if, you, if you build a certain way, when the storms come, not if the storms come, when the rains come, that house won't fall. He's speaking metaphorically. Well, what's he speaking about? He's speaking <laughs> about anybody who's building. Anybody interested in building a great life? I share that with you. I want to have a great life. He says, "Here's how you need to do it. You need to build it on not just hearing the word, but practicing the word as well." He says, "Those who hear it and practice it." Which is why I am not a proponent of fatalistic sovereignty. It's just unbiblical and it won't work. Well, if it's gonna, you, you know, we just God case the or off. God wanted it happen, he'd make it happen. No, no, no. He's he's given us keys. He's given us doors. He's given us feet. See, you can pray for freedom all you want, but if you don't unleash your mouth and unleash your feet, there's going to be no freedom. (laughs) You can pray for harvest all you want, but if you don't begin to sow, you're not going to get a harvest. I know I'm speaking to the unconvinced. Sorry, the convinced. Um, My wife likes fitness. Um, So I bought a TRX. Do you know what those are? Not a T-Rex. One of those. Yeah. I th- it's not helping me at all. It's still in the bag. I seen a woman last Christmas bring back a r- one of those round balls. To I was at Winners. They said she said it doesn't doesn't work. Well, how can a ball not work? <laughs> oh, you didn't work it. I'm going to give you a simple system of how to work the word this morning. Because I'm told that a life, here's how you build a church, because a church is made up of people, right? The word "ecclesia" does, has nothing to do with buildings. Until the, the 15th century, uh, when, that's when they changed the word in the New Testament, the church. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a jurisdictional, governmental term. Because not only is the church designed to gather, it's meant to govern, did you know that? This is a, so this morning before you got, got here, we were governing through intercession and prayer. The church is meant to govern. Um, the, um, we're told that not only is the church a family, but in Ephesians chapter 5, it reminds us that it's a little bit of a mystery because it's like a marriage. Can I just submit to you something for your, for your consideration? that you won't have a revelation of the church if you don't have a revelation of marriage. The defacing and the disregard for marriage is really a, a, a defacing of the image of God, who he said, for this reason, there is reason to it, Logic, <laughs> husband and wives come together because that's the, the, the full image of God. And he says, that's the same as the church. Same thing. If you don't have a revelation of the church, you won't have a revelation of marriage. He says, because I'm speaking of Christ and his church. You know, you know that we're part of the bride. That's one of our that's, that's one of the m- m- metaphors for us. We're, we're we're the bride of Christ. So you know what's going on right now is the bride's being beautified. We're told she she doesn't have any the one that's being prepared doesn't have spot or wrinkle. When you think of spots and wrinkles, what do you think of? You must think of ironing and washing, don't you? What if he wants to do that in you and I? I know it's nice to sing, here am I," and come in, but when it comes right down to operationalizing that, how is that going for you? Here's what here's what Saul he discovered is that when he was persecuting people he was killing people actually persecuting church and Jesus came knocked him off his horse and he Saul Saul why are you persecuting me when he when you're hurting people he says you're hurting me the way that you talk about church you're talking about Jesus the way you talk about the church down the road you're talking about Jesus when you talk about that church across town you're talking about Jesus. He said, why are you doing this to me? We need to be people to be careful. I know when I was about to get married, and if anybody would have said anything about my bride, I would have, have got upset. Are you? So here's what the Lord has to do. He has to teach us how to act in the family, how to function in the family. You're, one, of the, one, of the, one of the, I think, the, 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 the biggest battles in your life will be battles over your identity. I'm going to say every major battle is likely over identity. Where did you you discover who you were? That came, where did that come from? That came from your family of origin. That's that's where it began to come from. So here's, here's what happens when you get a revelation of who Jesus is. He says, because you have a revelation of who I am, now I'm going to give you a revelation of who you are. Lord, I know what you want to do this morning. You want to remind people about who they are. But they're to need to come to you with an open heart, an open book, an open mind to be able to receive you today. You know, I hope you've had more than a revelation of him as Savior. But if you've had that, that's good. But he's so much more. What do you need? What do you, in this season, you might need to know him as your refuge. Do you know him as your refuge yet? Dang, I'm in a storm. Yeah, that's fine. He'll be enough for you if you can come to him and get a revelation of him as your refuge. Do you know him as your deliverer? I don't know what season you're in, but there's some seasons I've been. I need I need to be delivered. There's some seasons where I needed to know him as my provider. Does anybody need to know him as your provider? (laughs) See, this requires us to have a revelation of who he is so he can build us. And you you know that you know that in order to build your family, you gotta have a revelation of who they are and who they're to become. Any any well-functioning father or mother needs to be able to see the destiny in their kids. But here, so so we often even pray. You know, Lord, give me eyes to see. We prayed that this morning before you got here. But you know what's required of you and I in order for us to see? Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, he says, the pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart, because they'll see God. What's that mean? That means that I need to be purified before I'm able to see God at work or in anybody else's life. I'd like to just see, Lord. No, no, are you you open to a little bit of purification? (laughs) That's kind of like pruning, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to help you in a second. Right now I'm just aggravating you. <laughs> um, there's other reasons why the Lord will try to get you to bump out of church. But uh, let, me just, let me just get down um, to the, some of the last, um, some of the final things I want to talk about. And, um, and then I want to speak some things over you. Uh, the, the, the house of God, because it's family, it's based on covenant. Covenant requires blood. Blood requires Sacrifice. Uh, here's what happens when we begin to sacrifice and invest in the house of God. We begin to uh, make covenant. Some of the hardest things that have happened, listen, I, and I know um, I've, had, I've had a tough time in church too, so you, I don't want your sympathy. That doesn't, sympathy doesn't help. Um, some days you're the pigeon, some days you're the statue. But I, I, I know that different things happen and stuff happens to us in church. But one of the most painful things is when somebody betrays you. <clears throat> one of the most painful things is somebody, somebody uh, breaks covenant, walks away from you. Uh, that's one of those painful things. And it's more painful in the house of God because it's based on blood. This is, diff- this is so different. Jesus knows about this. And he wants to provide healing for anybody in, who's, who's faced some of those things. And I, I think that the, when, when he said that what God has put together that no man put asunder. He's referring to the house of God as well because he's talking about marriage. In Ephesians chapter 4, it gives us a very clear pattern. In, or, let me just read chapter 2 and <clears throat> starting verse 19 there. You're members of God's family. Just you know you're part of the family. The Bible says he puts the lonely in family. Uh, so you're part of the family. You belong. And then he says <clears throat> that we are his house. Again, these metaphors sometimes can be confusing but you're part of his building program. He says that you're at his house, you're built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone needs to be Christ. Any life, any business, any marriage needs to be, have Christ as the cornerstone, or else when the storms come, it will fall. And then he said, we are carefully... We, we who believe, are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple of the Lord. Um, Through Him, you uh, Gentiles are also joined together as part of the dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. When when you're being, you're being joined together. Anybody like that process? Sometimes that's a bit uncomfortable, being fit. But here's what happens when you leave the container. You're meant to be the container to contain the the presence of God. When that piece misses, some stuff gets leaked out. (laughs) We're we're fit together. Maybe we just, you know, and, and if you're shopping for a church here, you know, God bless you. Let me just say something that will offend the rest of you. Um, church, the, because, because he's the one that's putting his house together, you can't say, where do I fit? You want to say, Lord, where do you want to fit me? Yeah, right. <laughs> Such a crazy idea. To, okay, I think I'm going to go over here and see if I like it or not. It doesn't matter if you like it or not, because we're, we're being fit together. He's building a house to contain his presence, and you're part of the container. And so we need, what do we need to do? We need to show up and put ourselves in place. And as we come together, here's what happens. We contain the, it says that we contain and fill the, the, that we're, the dwelling of where God lives by his spirit. How does that work? I don't know. But it sounds Wonderful. But so then, he, then later he says that, that he also, who gave his, these gifts, he gave gifts in chapter 4, verse 11, this fivefold gift. Jesus personally gave these gifts to the church, to build the church. Governmental gifts. Why? Because the church is a legislative assembly. In, in the prototype in Genesis chapter 8, uh, 28, where Jacob fell asleep, right, and he said, Wow, this is, God, isn't it awesome in this place? God's here. I didn't even know it. Isn't this awesome what this is like? He said, this is a very gateway of heaven. You're a gateway. You're an access point. When something needs to happen in Calgary, it has to come through an authorized doorway for the kingdom of God to be established in this city. You're it. How are you doing with that? We're the, we're the ones that legislate what comes and what goes. It says that the angels went from, heav- from earth to heaven and back from heaven to earth. What were they doing? They were doing a, were doing a building project and they're doing a Rona run. They're going, they're going from earth You've got angels at your command. They're going from earth, they're going to heaven, and they're bringing back the building materials so you and I can build with heavenly material. Because the house of God is a spiritual structure, and you're part of it. And you need to muscle up and you need to show up because there's people in this part of town that are depending on you showing up and shining. And they're gonna come through someday into this building and they're gonna come into this atmosphere and they need to know that there's hope here. Why? Because they're starving for hope. They need to know that there's help here. Why? Because they need help. They need to know that there's a presence of God here because He's the only one that can do anything to change a life. A sermon has never changed a life. I'm very disappointed with that. Aren't you? Wouldn't it be good if we could just like, and then boom, lives are changed? You won't change by a sermon. Are you kidding? Right after I started full-time ministry, an old man came up to me and he said, people change, but not very much. Thanks for the encouragement. So I asked an older brother who had been pastoring his whole life, he was just just retiring, I said, what's it take to be good like a good pastor? He said, oh, I'll kill you. I said, what? Yeah, no, a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Oh, crap, am I in the wrong? (laughs) Really? Hey, did you know it's the same with marriage? If a husband hasn't learned to lay down his life for his wife, that home's divided. It'll divide. It's one of the greatest things that I've learned in the last week. <laughs> it's, the, the, you know, the, 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 the language in Ephesians chapter 4 says nothing about wives submitting. That term's not even in the Greek New Testament there. Nothing at all. It's about mutual submission. It's about submitting one to another. That's what the Word says. It's learning to serve one another. How's the, how, if, if that happens in the, in the head, you know what could happen in the family? The same thing. We could learn to serve one another. Have you learned to serve one another? Yeah, well, they don't and I don't. And yeah, well, whatever. Quit your griping and just serve and watch what will happen. Don't we love to be served? Isn't that beautiful? Like, someone brought me some mints. They brought me some water. Gosh, I love that. But you know what? If I'm only consuming and not contributing, pretty soon it's going to feel empty. If it doesn't, if you feel like you're not getting something out of this, I want to know what you're putting into it. Like, agree. Like, some, somebody shout amen. amen. There you go. Now it's, see? It's both I got to throw and you got to catch. It takes two. It's a binary nature of the kingdom of God. It's not good enough that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's about those who are not yet convinced, and they will not know by any teaching. <laughs> Here's, so, so, um, oh dang. Uh, the, the, the la- here's, what, here's what we are I just want to say that we're part so the, the last part of Ephesians 4 it says, it says the, their work is until you come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God that we might be mature full grown in the Lord measuring up to the full stature of Christ that's the, that's the, that's the plan measuring up to who he is you've got to have a revelation of who he is so you can measure up to the full stature of Christ that's how the church is built that's how people are built and then he says, then we'll no longer be like children. Why? Because we'll become like adults. No longer thinking this way and thinking this way because we come under one teaching, one doctrine, one heart. That's what we do. We don't get another idea from this conference. Get another idea from this conference. He says, if you're like that, he says, you're babies. If you don't feed from it one well. Under one mother and father. This is, what, this is what's going on. And you might want to say, well, who are they under? They're under me. Who am I under? I'm under another and I'm under another and another. The, this, this is how it works in the family. Okay. Now, um, okay. L- let me just let me just talk about identity now as I wrap up. Um, um, you, you, you both have. You, everybody has two relationships with the Lord because you all have two identities. One's a true identity. One's a false identity. You you were born. You all know, you all know. You were born into. You're all part of Adam's family. A D D A M. The dysfunctional one. And what, and what happens when we come into the house of God and we, give, we, we, we now get a brand new family line? It's under the second Adam. But many times when we come in and under that and says anyone's in Christ, a new creature, we say, oh, great. But here's what I found out is I still had my same dysfunctions after I got saved. Does anybody else that happen to anybody else? I was a farmer. I got saved, I was still a farmer should have been a doctor. I thought, a little better income, less risk. Um, No, no, when you got saved, did you know you came back in the same body? And there's only one way that you're transformed, and that's by the renewing of your mind. The question I want to know is, how is that going for you? I find that's significant warfare. So I'd read through the Bible about five times, and I found it was not changing. And once again, I complained. And the Lord, so, you know, it's not working. He said, no, there's nothing wrong with my word. He said, it's your system. I said, what's wrong with the system? Well, it doesn't work. So I changed the system, about 10 years ago. And, and these two identities, they fight like two badgers in a bag. You can, you know, Paul talks about the, the old man, the new man, and all that, and, <clears throat> but I found that there, I still had, you know, unhealthy tendencies on, on all levels. And so, uh, so here's what I did. I set out to, to figure out a different system. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now who the most influential person is in your life. I've met lots of influential people. It's kind of fun. But here's what I found the most influential person in my life was. It's the same most influential person in your life. That's you. You are the most influential person in your life. I can't make you do a thing, nor do I want to. But if you're interested and you're willing, God can change your life radically. Radically, if you're open to that. But no one's going to force you to do that, because that never works. It's like trying to pry a clam open. It just goes tighter. Right? No, I don't want to change you. You can stay the way you are. You're going to get to heaven and everything will be great. That'll be good. But the problem is, I find, is that I actually wanted more out of life. I thought, isn't there more? Yeah, there's more. There's lots more. So here's what I did is I just had the Lord begin to show me um, from his word actually who I was. Here's, what, here's where we get our identity from. It's from the word of God. So, so David asked this question in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He says, Lord, who am I? But he took his question to the right place. If you take your question, young ladies, to Vogue or Cosmopolitan, they'll tell you who you're not. Men, you can't get your, who you are from the GQ magazines. Or Outdoor Life, for that matter. You need, to get, you need to get your identity settled from the Word of God. So here's what I did, is I began a system of journaling. And what I did this year is I, I got it for our church, and I put it in a, in, a, in a journal format, and I put some instructions at the beginning. And um, because I found that if I wasn't working the system that, that significantly, and here's what I found, is if you would do this journal twice a week, the first day you do it, your life will be changed. Uh, if you do it consistently for a few weeks, you're, people will notice your life changing. But you shouldn't try to do it more than two times a, a week, or else it, you'll overload. So here's what I had to do. I, first of all, I take the Word of God, I read through the Bible in a year, and, um, and I, uh, so I take the text that the Lord was speaking, and I, and I come to the scriptures believing the Holy Spirit's going to speak to me. And guess what? It always does. If I'm open, so I try to clear my head, take a couple deep breaths, begin to read the scriptures, and I'll, wouldn't you know, it? something starts to stand out. So what I do is I write that down. Brilliant, right? And then I try and extract a truth. Just take a truth. So I take a text, I take a truth. Write it down at the top here. And then I take a little while to go into thanksgiving, and I... And I begin to say what I'm thankful for. Why is that important? Because this it gives you access. You know Thanksgiving is a doorway. Right? We enter as gates with Thanksgiving. It's a doorway. Yeah, but I found that I've been around lots of people, and they're actually not very thankful. Here's what I even did for quite a while. I memorized Scripture. You know memorizing Scripture won't change you? Did you know that? It just, you just become an intellectual, you know, all the, have you ever met anybody that knows a whole bunch of the Scripture? And they're just mean as an old dog. Right, they're they're actually, they've not been changed. You you know what I'm talking, you ever met them people? Maybe, oh, maybe, maybe we are those people. (laughs) Just occurred to me. But you memorize scripture, right? And some you'll come to someone and you'll find and you'll, you'll meet them and they'll quote the word to you, and then they just they don't have the character of Christ, they don't have the nature of Christ, they're not, they don't have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, they're mean, they're miserable, they're, you know, their eyebrows are knit together, and they all they do, all they all they know is they can they can parrot back the word of God, but they haven't allowed that to become actually incarnated in part of their life. So how so what happens? So here's what I have to do, I gotta get into the presence of God. And it's a simple way. And once you start, what happens is the, 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 they will begin an intuitive flow and you'll begin to write. That's what'll happen. And then the next thing I write out, I start to make declarations of destiny. Jesus needed I am statements. He had, he had a lot. I know we're familiar with eight of them, probably. That uh, I'm the bread of life and I'm the, I'm the door and you, know, you probably know those. He had more than that. Uh, how many do you have? Because your voice is important. The way that you talk about yourself, whatever you put after I am, because if you, don't, if you don't sort out who you are, then someone else will do it for you. This is really important. I'm talking about building your self-esteem, building your self-image, which is how you see yourself, the image you have of yourself. You need, you need to be seeing it through God's eyes, who you are. And then you'll act like he acts. And so, then, so you need to have some I am statements and begin to... And if you start to then... Jesus, I mean, in the beginning, when Moses said, well, who shall I say sent me? He said, I am that I am. God... You, he even has I am statements. Do you have any I am statements? If, you, if I were to say, who are you? What would you say? Because the enemy will always contest your identity. These are the big ones. Jesus gets a number, a, hand, a sentence from his father and then he's led out into the desert and the first, before he started any ministry, he was, te- he was tested on who he was. Well, if you're the son of man, so you will be too. How, how do you deal with when the enemy comes to you and says, who are you? You need to have an answer. Like quick, like, a, like, like someone's got a gun in your back. Who are you? Now, let me think about that. What did the pastor say I was this week? No, no, no. Who are you? And he, because this way, listen, the gates of hell will not prevail against the revelation of Jesus. Christ in you is the hope. It's the only hope. So do you know who Christ is in you? If so, you would act in accordance with that. I'm raising my voice. This feels important to me. And then, and then I write out I will statements because now I've engaged my spirit. I am statements, the identity statement about who I am in Christ. Who I am. And then I will statement is, a, is my soul. You're, you're a three-part being. You need to de- respect the dimensionality. And so, so you, are a, you are a soul as well. Your soul needs a little bit. It's where your decisions are made. So then you need to say, I will. As a result of this is who I am. If I am strong in the Lord, then what will I do? I'm going to walk in strength all day. It's what I'm going to do. And the last thing I write is I choose. And uh, because, because you have the most sacred thing about you is personal choice. God will never... Take away or touch your free will. You've got to make a decision. And then what are you going to do that day, day, day as a result of it? After Jesus was tempted in the desert, the first thing that happened is identity got tested. He'd been there 40 days fasting. Uh, if he, he was living on one word from God. He says that, that man doesn't live on bread. He's not referring to physical, his physical part. He's referring to his spiritual part. He doesn't live on bread. He lives on words and he just got a word. And here's what will happen. If all of a sudden you say, if you write in your, in, under one of your I am's that day, I am strong in the strength of the Lord. What's going to happen? All, all through that day, that will get hammered. By the end of the day, if you don't look back at what you wrote about who you are and what you'll do and what you choose to become, if you don't write that down and re- refer back to it, you know what will happen? You'll lose the victory before your second cup of coffee. This is what's happened to me. So this works for me. If you've got a journaling system that works, God bless you. But if not, you're welcome to pick up one of these that they uh, help cover the um, publishing costs. They're two for 10, uh, three for 30, um, four for 40. <laughs> and that, they, they cost just over seven bucks uh, to publish, and they, um, I, give, I, give, I give them away a lot, so we're trying to break even on that. <laughs> I'm closing with this because I've, I've, I've said enough. Um, um, And I'll just have the, I'll have the, the, maybe the keyboard come back here because I'm going to make some declarations over who you are based on some I am statements for 2019. Um, It's a great privilege being here and and it's not enough that I just tell you you're awesome. Uh, the, The church is not specifically designed for who you are. It kind of is, but it's who you're meant to become as well. And so if you don't get challenged here, you won't get changed here. The, the goal of your pastor is to feed you, and I know he feeds you every day. Has anybody ever got a birthday greeting from him on Facebook? You feel like the only person in the world. I feel like Hallmark has just stopped everything and vectored all of their poems through Bill. Well, what's he doing? He's using words. He's using words. And he's trying to build you and grow you and develop. He's speaking destiny even over you. He's encouraging. That's what he's trying to do. But here, can I exhort you in one thing? He's not the only one who's supposed to feed you. You should come here and be fed. But no one should leave here grumbling and say, I haven't been fed. I'm not fed. You're meant to feed yourself. If you're you're not a baby, then you're feeding yourself. You're meant to feed yourself all through the week. The, the, the Bible's not chained to the pulpit anymore. You've got the senior partner of the Trinity living within you. He's not the only one and they're not the only one. I'm not the only one. And what the Lord wants to do to this church in 2019 is grow it. In order for it to grow it physically, it needs to grow it individually as well. The big battle. And I could I could I could point over some of you right now. If I were to say, who are you? And you'd, You'd have your, your dad or your coach or your friends, they, they put words on you. And I just want to say, like part of that orphan spirit is shame. And I'd like to say shame off you. That's what I like to say. Just shame off. I'm, I'm going to read a few of the I am's of who you are as I wrap up right now. Um, if you don't know Christ as Savior, that's, that's your first step. So we come to Christ, we get vectored a whole new family line into us. Uh, I walked through two significant battle healing issues and I found that I needed to learn to not speak the word of God out here, but speak the word of God in here to me. Because my, my body forgets that it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. The healer lives in me. But he doesn't always have the expression through me because I my, haven't guarded my heart enough where you, your beliefs are held and therefore, I, I know him as a healer up here, but I don't know him as a healer in here, and therefore, I don't, didn't walk in healing. He, you know, so, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna just read over you, and I, and I think that's, I've said enough, I've said lots. But if you don't know Christ as your Savior, we have people here that would love to pray for you and invite you into that relationship, and you get a brand new family line. The doctor tried to tell me, because, oh, this was in your family, then this is in you, I said, hold it, I got a different family line. There's perfect healing in my family line. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, they didn't believe me, so I went back for two and three tests. They said, you know, you don't have a trace. And I go, Yeah, no, I know, because I got a different family line. But what I didn't wasn't I uh, wasn't living up to that. Do you see what I'm saying? I wasn't because I wasn't believing it, I was actually going with what the doctor said rather than what the the, the great physician said. <laughs> Jesus help me now. What I want to do is I want to declare over you who you are, because you may have forgotten. This, this, so what happens is then <clears throat> if, you, if you accept and believe some of these things, what will happen is you'll change, because we, only, we, act, we can never consistently act out of who we can't see ourselves as. So I'm just going to declare over you who you are, and what I'd like you to do is just stand up. And one of the ways that our brain waves change, where we move from alpha into beta waves, is simply to look up. You can, and if you close your eyes, that, that'll work too. That helps too. And if you agree with what I'm saying, I just really uh, compile them from the scriptures. Because that's the thing that changes us, right? We're we're built on a revelation of Jesus and who Jesus is in you. And so I'm just gonna read these over you. And um, this, if you act now, we'll include this in your purchase. I'm I'm shameless, aren't I? Um, No, I wanna wrap up and say what a joy it's been here, but I'm gonna declare these over you and turn it back to your pastor. Um, in, In case you didn't know this, if you've accepted Christ as your savior, you can say with confidence, I am a child of God and I'm deeply loved by God. You can say that. I'm saved by his grace and I'm born of his incorruptible seed. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm forgiven of all sin. I am a new creature. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because I belong to Christ. I am loved, chosen, holy and without fault in my heavenly Father's eyes. Did you know that you without fault. I am redeemed from the curse of the law, part of a royal priesthood and a chosen generation. I'm am an ambassador for Christ. My actions and attitude always consistently reflect reflect that. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am blessed and highly favored. I am beloved and completely and totally accepted by him in him and for him. I am co-crucified, co-buried and co-resurrected with Christ. I am alive with the purposes and power and promises of Christ right now. I am free from all condemnation. I'm reconciled to Christ. I'm justified by faith and I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Yes, I am. I'm elected, I'm established, and I'm empowered by His grace. I am set free and I am victorious. I am qualified to share in Jesus' inheritance. I am purposely designed, anointed grace to accomplish a significant task for the advancement of the kingdom of God on earth in my lifetime. I am filled with the purposes, the power, and the promises of God. I am part of the bride of Christ and can now come before His throne of grace boldly. I am the head and not the tail. I am the first and not the last. I lend and not borrow. I am anxious for nothing, but I pray about everything. I tell God what I need. I'm thankful. I thank Him for everything that He has done because I am thankful. I am experiencing God's peace daily. His peace guards my heart and my mind. I'm being changed into His image, fathered from above, abounding in thanksgiving. I am sealed by, or sorry, healed by His stripes and I'm called by His name. If that's you, say amen. I'm growing the fruits of the Spirit, empowered in the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm filled with the Spirit of life, love, and and light. That's me. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I am firmly rooted and built up and established in my faith. I am God's workmanship, a work of art, handmade with love and I am one of a kind in Jesus Christ my Lord. I'm delivered from the power of darkness. I'm translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. I'm safe under the shadow of His wings and I dwell in His shadow always. I'm there. I am finding great rest because He is my refuge and my place of safety. I am defensively clad with the full armor of God in advance in this, and advancing in this world. I am unoffendable because I'm forgiving everybody, everything, every day. That's me. I, I am overflowing with favor. I'm protected by angels, surrounded by God's presence and part of a strong company of warriors. I'm not alone. I'm fully functioning in my calling in the kingdom of God. I'm an overcomer. I am victorious. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Daily, I am. I'm bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I am forgiven of all my sins. I'm sealed, with, uh, seated with and I'm complete in Christ today. I am known in heaven as a warrior, mighty and courageous and bold and unstoppable. I am blessed in the country. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed everywhere I go and where I'm, co- I'm both in my coming and my going. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. We got it good. God bless you.